Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is Brian Henderson with Barca Talk. Listeners like you make up 90% of our funding, mostly through a monthly membership on Patreon. With more members, the podcast will get even better and will bring in more listeners, which will lead to more members until we have so many listeners that we can attract advertisers to fund the show instead of asking for your support. But we're not there yet. We have to meet a minimum budget goal if we're to continue the show after this season. So support the show now, either with a Patreon membership or a one-time donation. There's a link in the show notes to our support page. Thanks. Today on Barca Talk, FC Barcelona scored two and conceded two against Espanyol. They're still on top of the table, but tied on points with Real Madrid. Carlos Alenia has been loaned out to Real Betis, and the Spanish Super Cup is pausing Spanish league action as four teams travel to Saudi Arabia to play in the new format. Happy New Year. Welcome to Barca Talk. I'm Brian Henderson, your host in Buffalo, New York. Joining me, as always, from Madrid is your co-host and tactical analyst, Gabriel Quiroga. Brian, Brian, my Barca brother from another mother. How are you doing, buddy? Happy New Year. Happy New Year. I'm a little, I'm mildly hungover today. <laughs> Just mildly, because um, Megan and I went to Toronto for the day on Saturday with a couple of friends of ours, and we just hung out. My one friend, Tyler, his mom lives in Toronto. So we actually visited with his mother for a while, and that was super fun. We saw some old uh, home videos of him, my friend Tyler, when he was a, a wee babe. That was fun. We ate at some really nice vegan eateries, went around. I bought a new coat. Oh, nice. Or an old coat. I went to a, a vintage store in a neighborhood in Toronto called Kensington Market. Super cool neighborhood. Tons of uh, vintage shops there. And I got an old coat with like a fur collar Ooh. from J.C. Penny. I'm guessing circa 70s. <laughs> nice. For 35 or 45 Canadian dollars, which is pretty good. Nice, nice, nice. Yeah. And, of course, we we also watched the uh, second half and overtime of the Bills-Texans game, which at a bar, at a pub in Toronto that was completely full of Bills fans. They love the Bills in Toronto, as it turns out. Yeah, it's like the adopted city, right? Yeah. Because they don't have a football team. Sure. Uh, American football. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, we also drove by Toronto FC Stadium. That's actually a really nice looking stadium. We're talking about going to a game there. That looks like a lot of fun. But yeah, so we had a whole day in Toronto. Watched the Bills uh, just barely get beaten by the Texans. We really thought we had it. And uh, then they lost it. Yeah, they lost Next year, right? <laughs> That's next year, man. Those those are the knuckle tattoos of, of your basic Buffalonian nice. next year. Nice, nice. That's the Bills motto. Well, that sounds – I've heard really good things about Toronto. That's one of the cities I would definitely like to visit. But, uh, Brian, we're still celebrating holidays here. We are – tonight is Reyes. So tomorrow the Reyes come tomorrow. So I'm still on holiday till Wednesday. 
So, oh yeah, yeah. So here in Spain, we have Noche Buena, which is Christmas Eve, Noche Vieja, New Year's, and then Reyes. So Christmas ends basically on Monday, Tuesday, and we're still enjoying the holiday. So right now, actually down the street from me, they're doing the big parade here in Madrid where the Reyes come and all the kids are out there uh, waiting for the gift. So uh, it's still holiday over here in Madrid. Um, but yeah, it's been a really nice holiday as well for me here. Well, getting into Barcelona action, a lot has happened since our last episode. We didn't we didn't have an episode where we broke down the Alaves match, but there was that win over Alaves 4 to 1. That was good and then the next day Athletic Bilbao drew Real Madrid, which actually put us two points clear, which was nice. And then this last weekend happened, <laughs> essentially evened the playing field again right back where the holiday started. Uh, and some other things have been happening now that the winter transfer window has opened, but the three main things that we want to get into are one loan deal. We've loaned out Carlos Alenia. Um, also, Ter Stegen's been injured, and we have the Spanish Super Cup coming up this week as well. So, first up, let's talk about this loan of Carlos Alenia to Real Betis. I think this is um, a very bad decision. I agree. I, I loathe this decision. Uh, I think it sends a message clear that we are furthering disconnecting from our La Masia and our philosophy of this. I think it sends a really bad signal to the young players that are going through Barca B and just that there's no clear plan from the top down. And I really wanted to see Elena stay on the team because we are thin at midfield. And especially like after last night's match. We need some youth. We need someone dynamic. And I know Elena is not the answer, but he can definitely help with some games and some matches. And I really dislike this move. I think, like you said, you don't like it. I don't like it. I want to see Elena succeed in Barcelona. I don't want him to see him succeed at Betis because, as you pointed out before we were recording, that we don't have a great track record of players being loaned out and coming back. No, we don't. I looked at the last 10 years of players being loaned out from Barca and of course, a lot of them being loaned from Barca B or from the first team. And there is none of them have come back and become regular first team starters. And so for me, I look at Elenia and I think this guy definitely has what it takes to be a starting first team player. Maybe not right now, but next season, season after that, definitely. I think he has all of the potential to be a starter for many years to come. But the track record doesn't look good. This is essentially the first step in ultimately pushing him out the door. And he's going to wind up playing somewhere else. Yeah, again, I just don't like this. I mean, again, just saying the last 10 years, who was the last player? Fabregas? And that was maybe 15 years ago where Fabregas yeah. left, went to Arsenal and came back. And, you know, again, I I don't understand the policy, what's going on. You know, one of the reasons why we love this team so much is because of the youth product and the way the players have come through this youth system. But if we don't give these players opportunities to succeed, then we're not going to get those key players when they're 12 and 13 because they're going to see this track record, just like you pointed out with the 10 years prior or placement in the senior team that's very limited because guess what we're going to be trying to go for players like Vidal and Coutinho and players outside of La Masia that don't understand our philosophy but since they're highly touted you know and again I don't like this move again I don't know what Abidal is trying to do and again Valverde wanted to keep him but I don't know how strong he was because I mean did Valverde passionately plea to stay i doubt it I, maybe he just said you know maybe okay i'm, I'm yeah. okay <laughs> it's hard it's hard to imagine that yeah and and to be clear when i was talking about i was specifically i was just looking at loaning mm. so 
uh, a situation like, for instance, Jordi Alba, right? He left the academy. Uh, he was still fairly young. He moved around. He wound up at Valencia, and then he came back to Barcelona, but he did spend time in, in the academy as a youth. That's one thing. Fabregas, the other example you put up, similar kind of thing. Sure. He he was in the academy. He came up. He went to Arsenal on a – and he spent years there with a, a full transfer and he did wind up coming back and having two, three good seasons with Barcelona. I was just looking at loans because there's this argument, there's this idea that you loan out a young player who doesn't necessarily have a, he's not going to get a lot of playing time with the first team. You loan him out to another club where he's going to get more playing time. Uh, right now, we still have Cucurella out there. The idea that you're going to loan them out, they're going to get experience, and then they're going to come back and become first team players, that's not playing out historically. In the last 10 years. Yeah, and that's that's part of the problem, right? Because since we are such a high-touted team, we're trying to always get the highest free agents. And we're basically always trying to get the best players available. But again, we have to have the mixture of great players, but also youth players from our academy. Because that's what we're really missing right now, Brian. It's, you know, especially like last night's match. Again, they look like strangers in the dark playing. Right. They have no idea where the player is going to move. And we miss that. We miss that nonverbal communication when we used to have in the midfield with. I know we always bring this back with Javi and Iniesta. And I know that. But part of the thing is they grew up together. They knew the movements. They knew where to depend on each other passing and defensively. And we just don't have that now. And it's clear as day to me that, you know, with the La Masia issue, you know, with um Clivert being there and the issues with Ricky Puig already and these things. We just have so much chaos going up with the board down to the manager, down to Barca B. We need to have a better direction and more streamlined process. Yeah. Now, the other issue to uh, discuss is Ter Stegen's injury. This is a knee injury. Um, already Neto covered for him against Espanyol. And it's looking it's looking potentially pretty bad. He might even have to go in for surgery. Yeah, the thing is, it's not. It hasn't been disclosed what his injury is. They just said here a tendon injury, and you know, again, what's going to happen? Is he going to be able to, you know, grin it and bear it basically for the rest of the season and through Euros? Because I've heard one rumor here where he may have to have surgery, and if he does have surgery, he's going to have surgery after Euros. And how much is that going to limit his participation this season? And also, how how is it going to limit his ability? Because as we've talked about, he's been our best player all year. And, you know, we could see some of the differences between Neto and Ter Stegen last night. You know, just the activity that Ter Stegen does uh, approaching one-on-ones and so forth. Now, Neto is going to be okay, but I'm really worried about the long term of Ter Stegen because where does he take that break? to right, come exactly. back yeah where, where can you put it exactly it's going to be approaching almost like the umtiti issue but i mean if he needs surgery it would be better in my opinion if he were to just get it as soon as possible i would agree i would agree i'm more of that camp because then you take these two months and then you come back and then you you're ready and then you're ready for next season as well so you know if it's if it can be cured or fixed easily with surgery i agree you get it done take care of it bite the bullet for the next two months or three months get ready for the end of the season and go right into Euros. Yeah, that's going to set him up better for Euros anyway, because that's, well, if you believe the media, that's something that is very much on Ter Stegen's mind, is his position in the German squad, right? The fact that Yogi Love doesn't want to let go of Neuer, and even though Ter Stegen is definitely the heir apparent in goal, he just can't seem to quite leapfrog over Neuer just yet. And again, if you believe the conjecture that you hear in most commentators' voices, 
It's this is something that Tristegan is obsessed with. Um, I don't know how true that is, but I think it would set him up better for the Euro if he is has had a surgery and he's had a recovery period rather than, yeah, put me in, Yogi Love. I have a bad knee, but put me in anyway. Exactly. It's going to give Loa an excuse to continue with Neuer, you know? And, exactly. And we know that Ter Stegen should be the number one German keeper. I mean, he is just an overall, all-around better keeper than Neuer is right at this moment. And again, I would prefer to have him have the surgery if he needs the surgery. But again, it's one of those things where it's probably a gray area where surgery may not completely correct the problem. And that's where you have the issue, like with Umtiti, where you just keep pushing this back. You still have some moments where you're fine, and then all of a sudden you get a setback. You know, as we talked about, Ter Stegen has been our best player from start to finish this season. And we need him, and I'd rather have him have the surgery if that's what's needed now bite the bullet and then have them for the rest of the season and also the start of next season. Yeah. And I mean, you know, you, you'd want to ideally not do surgery if you don't have to, and you could just do rehab and physical therapy and uh, fix the issue. But with sports, there's always this time clock running. It's not like, it's not like you or me, like it doesn't matter if we get a (laughs) knee surgery right now or not, but with them, there's the clock is ticking on everything. Yeah. And the thing that complicates it more is with the euros, right? Because if there wasn't the euros then you would just say, okay, wait till this to the summer and you'll be fine. But again, that just complicates it. And that just pushes everything back again. I don't remember what happened. I, I don't know if it's something that happened in practice or in a game because, you know, in the last match he was fine, it seemed. And then all of a sudden I, all this news kind of came out. So I don't know if it's something that happened in a training or this is something that's been bothering him this whole season. He just hasn't really been vocal about it. But again, if surgery can fix it, I'm always uh, the proponent of getting that done because with the rehab, you just never know how that's going to affect. I mean, just look at the case of MTT. All right. And third up, uh, Spanish Super Cup. We have a new... <laughs> New new timing, new expanded format. Uh, the tournament is going to be held in a neutral location in Saudi Arabia. And instead of just two teams playing a two-leg match, there will be two semifinals, single knockout, and one final match. Uh, and it'll in- include four teams. So we'll have Barcelona, Atletico Madrid, Valencia, Real Madrid. Barca's going to play Atletico Madrid first on Thursday in one semifinal, and then the final is going to be on Saturday, where the winner of that game will play the winner between Real Madrid and Valencia. What is the idea of this? <laughs> what What's the deal? <laughs> what's the What's the point yeah. of this? Well, I mean, I I like. Let me tell you this: I'm a fan of the new format. I like the okay. format of the four teams and the two day thing. However. I think the timing is awful. I think this would have been a really great thing to launch La Liga. Now, to do this in the summer, let's say in the United States, I think would have been amazing, not only for the fan base of the of Americans that are there, but also just to get everything hot. You're talking about the best four teams of La Liga playing in a preseason little mini tournament that actually has a trophy. Man, that would have been really geeked up to get La Liga fired up. You know, you get that out of the way. But right now... You know, we just had La Liga match last night, and then all of a sudden you have a break. And they're flying to Saudi Arabia, which is not very close here. I mean, it's a, it's quite a distance as well. If we win, that's another match that we have to play on Saturday. And this is, I would say, this trophy is very meaningless. However, in the grand scheme of you're looking to covet all the trophies, you would like to have it, right? But, sure. you know. It's a nice to have. Exactly. It's a nice to it's have. It's not one of the big three. But what if we lose to Atletico, for example? We flew all the way to Saudi Arabia, we lose to Atletico, and we come all the way back. It's just kind of, 
you know, let's just do this in preseason. I like the format. I like the idea of Rubiales thinking outside the box to try to promote the, the, the Spanish Super Cup and also La Liga and all this. But let's just put it in preseason so we don't have to interrupt the middle of the season. Because, again, look, man, we Barcelona is already playing so many games and, and we have a busy January and February coming up again. All this travel adds up. Yeah, and it just seems like it sort of is blowing the Super Cup out of proportion. Yes. Barcelona B are in need of a striker, or at least that's what their manager believes. Here with a report on the B team is Max Bluer. Barca Bear coach Garcia Pimienta gave a big set-piece interview to Mundo Deportivo on Christmas Eve, in which he was very interesting on a number of topics. Pimi clearly expects the club to sign him a striker in the winter transfer window. Before the season, the owners had been on Abad Ruiz to establish himself as the main goalscorer, but his failure to find the net consistently saw him benched with Pimi even preferring to play with no recognised centre-forward. Instead, Hidoki Abe has started as a sort of false nine in several games this season, and despite being a winger at heart, he's done reasonably well, scoring four goals in five from that position. The young Japanese isn't a long-term solution, though, and Pimi is quite right in his assessment that the team needs to sign an experienced striker to put away the chances created by people like Kike Severio, Alex Collado, and Ricky Pooch. Barcelona-based newspaper Sport reckon that 22-year-old Albacete striker Rey Manage is one of Barcelona's top targets for the position. The Albanian was key in Albacete's stellar season last time out, with seven goals, but has been far less involved this season, sometimes not even making the bench, and could easily look to move on in search of minutes. Manaj, or whoever does end up coming, will replace Abadouris, who is almost certain to leave Barca in the January window, as he looks to get his career back on track. According to Mundo Deportivo, the young striker is apparently wanted by his hometown club, Valencia, as part of owner Peter Lim's strategy of prioritising local players. But the move would be an odd one, particularly from Ruji's point of view. Failing to get into the 11 of a Segunda B side doesn't bode well for his chances of getting minutes at a Champions League side that already has four top-level strikers. Abel Ruiz's unexpectedly poor form isn't the only reason that Pimi feels the need to bring in a striker. In pre-season, the assumption was that both Ansel Fati and Carles Perez would be playing the vast majority of their games with the B team. The loss of two players good enough to score goals in La Liga has unsurprisingly been hugely disrupted to Pimienta. Of course, he is delighted that two of his players have been promoted telling Mundo Deportivo that he is very content at Carlos Perez's promotion and that Ansu Fati is, quote, destined to make history. Pimi also revealed that there had been a time when Carlos Perez was looking to leave Barca and that it was him who persuaded the young winger to stay. The interview also touched on another subject, one that is not explored anywhere near enough. Barca Bay and La Masia's function not just as a factory of playing talent but as a producer of coaches too. After all, Pep Guardiola cut his teeth with Barca Bay before going on to coach the first team. Garcia Pimienta made it clear in his interview that he feels himself ready to manage at the Camp Nou, pointing out that he already knows and has coached players like Leo Messi, Gerard Pique and Sergio Roberto. Having worked in La Masia since 2001, Pimi says that he's in no rush to take the last and biggest step of his coaching career at Barca, but also that for his, quote, way of understanding football, for all the seasons he's spent at Barca, as a player and a manager, and because he strongly believes in the Barcelona philosophy, end quote, he considers himself ready to take the reins of the first team, should he be asked. Garcia Pimienta's contract runs out at the end of this season. He clearly hopes that the next one he signs will be his manager of the first team. Another man who we hope will be making the move up to the first team in the near future is Ricky Puig. Frankie de Jong's red card against Espanyol means he joins Arthur and, of course, Carlos Alenia as being unavailable for the home game against Granada in a couple of weeks. Couple that with Rakitic's poor form and Valverde's unwillingness to start Vidal, and Ricky has a decent chance of at least making the matchday squad. Having said that, this is Valverde we're dealing with here, so let's not go getting our hopes up. On the pitch, Barca Bay managed a 3-1 victory over Lanusia back in mid-December, thanks to two excellent finishers from Hedoke Abe and a Collado strike. That victory ended their unbeaten record at an Estadio Johan Cruyff that is becoming quite the fortress. 
Any chances of making the promotion playoffs will depend on the boys maintaining their stellar home record. That victory over Lanusia, however, was followed by the boys' first loss in 12 games, 1-0 away at Olot. It was a deserved loss, to be honest, with the boys somewhat overwhelmed by Olot's superior physicality. And just before recording, Barca Bay got back to winning ways with a 2-0 victory over Espanyol Bay in what is known in Spain as the Mini Derby. We'll have more on that game next time out. That victory leaves the boys in the fourth and final player spot, just three points off first place. For Barca Talk, I'm Max Bluer. All right, well, let's break down this Espanyol match. It was La Liga match day 19. The first leg of La Liga is now officially over. And as I mentioned, you know, Barca were finally on top of the table with a true lead in points over Real Madrid going into the holiday break. Bilbao held Real to a draw. Barca beat Alaves 4-1. They were clear by two points. And then they go across town to play in RCDE Stadium, and they get a 2-2 draw. Therefore, they're still on top of the table, but the points are even with Real Madrid again. We've gained zero ground on this. Brian, as I just told you before we recorded, I just said, you know, New Year, same style, the same issues. You know, it's... yeah. Even though we just go across the road, you know, literally across the road, it felt as though we were playing in Bilbao in a right. in a hostile environment that we've never played before. And of course, Valverde did not have the team fired up. When I saw the the sheet, this team is just inspiring me less and less. You know, um, we were talking about how we watched the match. You know, I watched it this morning as well, and it's. I mean, I wish we could watch it on twenty four speed because. <laughs> You know, the thing that pops out to me more and more is just the lack of speed and tenacity that we possess on defense and on attacks. Yeah, no, just slow, lethargic, apathy. Uh, apparently, Valverde did not make any New Year's resolutions, to ch- or <laughs> except maybe he made the resolution to continue doing things the same way. Yeah, I mean, we had- or I mean, then again, for all we know, we we haven't seen match day yet. We don't know, but, <laughs> but maybe he's he's in there throwing chairs at halftime and getting in their faces, and they're just not doing anything. I don't know. Again, I shared you the photo of him, uh, you know, wishing all the Kool Aids a happy New Year and, and Merry Christmas. And if that picture doesn't inspire you, I mean, I don't know what does, Brian, because that picture, I mean, it's priceless. He's not even smiling. You know, it's like the most beige picture of all time. And again, Brian, I, I don't know what to do with this team because I think, again, that we're just wasting Messi's year. And it's the same thing. I mean, I don't I was watching all the reaction videos today and all these things. And I and it's just a repeat of everything. I don't know where to go from here because they had an opportunity today, you know, yesterday to get the points. They saw that Madrid won earlier and they just came out completely flat again. And I don't know if it's a tactical thing that it will be the simple answer to go to a 4-4-2 because maybe the answer right now is to put Vidal as a starter and mm-hmm. maybe take out Griezmann or Suarez. I, I don't know. But again, this team is so slow, Brian, in every aspect. We look like we're in a beer league. Yeah, just over 30 recreational. <laughs> but if you look at Espanyol, they brought in a new manager over the holiday break, Abelardo Fernandez. He took over for Francisco Rufete after Espanyol spent the majority of the first leg of the season in the relegation zone. There was only one week where they crept out of it. And coming into this game, they only had two wins, and they still only have two wins. And even with this draw, they're still in last place. But he seemed to have read the playbook on Barca yeah. and he he brought the pressure he brought the counterattack they defended strongly they clogged up the middle exactly what you would expect 
that they should do. You know, sometimes when you're looking at tactics, you know, in football, sometimes it's just as easy as we have more midfielders than you. You know, yeah. and that's really, you know, Espanol was in a four four two. Nothing crazy. Nothing that any footballer has never seen before. I mean, like I tell you, Brian, this is the first formation you ever learn when you start playing football is a 4-4-2. They, even though we had more possession, we just had empty possession as always. The passes were disconnected in the final third. We're always trying to do these glorious passbacks. We never take shots on goal. And again, it just goes back to the apathy of the team. You know, if Suarez and Messi are not pressing and the other team has the playbook and they keep pressing us, we don't have enough midfield strength and speed to break that with 1v1s. Yeah, and Griezmann, for all the hard work he does, he actually seemed he was pretty out of it. I don't know if they're like on the long extended break. You know, I, you know, everyone went to South America. I saw Griezmann went to L.A. So I don't know. It always comes back to the coach. You know, how does he prepare them to come back into season? And we're kind of seeing the same thing that happened in September with this performance. You know, if I told you this was the match at Bilbao, it's almost a carbon copy. Even though we had more possession, we still didn't take very great chances in the box. You know, it wasn't until the second half until we kind of woke up. Yeah. And well, that was the evidence for that is that Espanyol scored first. It was on a free kick. You know, they didn't have a, a ton of threats in the run of play. But like a weaker side will often do, they took advantage of their chances with set plays. So they did score on this free kick in the 23rd minute. David Lopez was wide open for a free header on this free kick, and he floated it past Neto at the far post. I mean, the defending in this is awful. I mean, there's no defending. Again, Suarez up at the front. He misses the header because it goes over him, and then it, there's nobody marking two players. You know, watching set plays against us, we hate physicality. We hate these things. And it's because our players are just really comfortable, Brian. And, and this comes down to the same thing that we've been facing the last year and a half is, you know, no one wants to fight in the air. We we have lost that tenacity. And, you know, you got to give it to Espanol for making the conversion. But, Brian, more importantly, we didn't react. Not immediately. It took us like another 20 minutes for someone to shake us, you know? Yeah, we couldn't break through at all in the first half. And that prompted Valverde to put in Arturo Vidal for Rakitic at the very start of the second half. God, I mean, Brian, I still... <laughs> I, I, can't, I can't. I mean, I mean, I don't... I don't you did I, score a goal. I know. I know this, Brian. I know. <laughs> I know this. This comes back to the denial. I, I know. I, he scored a goal and people are going to be like, saying, wow, he did great. But this is the point, you know. It's the lack of dynasty that we have in the midfield right now and the fact that for example Vidal is allowed to free range up front without any defensive responsibility right now and that was apparent a couple of times on some counterattacks where he is so far up and this is where the, the miscommunication with Messi and Suarez and so forth with our tactics because with Messi not having the discipline on the right side he's able to be you know be carte blanche anywhere then you have Vidal coming up the middle and Suarez walking then all of a sudden we have three players out of position Right. right. And so, again, this goes back to just simple tactics. And what do we expect from our players when only half of our team is pressing, the other half are walking and the other half don't want to play defense? This is what we get. And again, it's just really frustrating because we know these players are world class. They're just not being pushed and they're not being pressured and they're not being stressed. One area, though, where we were starting to get some good play was out on the left, thanks to Jordi Alba, or whatever else was happening on the left side to open him up for those runs and to put the balls in. And then 
we leveled in the 50th minute. Alba put it in from out wide for Suarez, charging into the box unmarked. Uh, he got free, and then he scored with a first-touch strike on the volley. That was very nice. Yeah, definitely. It was a really nice pass from Alba. But again, like how long did that take for us to build up, you know? You know, a long time, essentially. And also, you know, since Alba has come back, I mean, he's been really missing. You know, he hasn't been the Alba that we expect, especially on defense. And I know he had an assist here, but if you take the assist away, was he really involved in the game as much? I mean, that whole, they were really trying to to attack us on that side. And, you know, with this team, you know, like you said, it was a really great finish by Suarez. And this is the yin and the yang of Suarez. It's he has a great finish, but he doesn't do anything else for us outside of that. You know, bad passing again. He's not pressing. And these are all things that are just adding to the team mentality. I don't know what I would do as the coach because you cannot argue with Suarez's output. I mean, he is giving us goals. Does the goal more important than the defensive pressure, you know, where Griezmann can give us? I don't know. I I, I really don't know. But it was a really nice pass. And a really nice finish from Suarez. Yeah, and I I read one headline that referred to this team as bipolar. Ooh, I like that. Probably the best way to put it. Just like you said with Suarez, right? You get you get certain benefits in finishing, really good ones, mm-hmm. but a lot of things are missing from other parts of his game. When you look at the whole team all put together, you wind up with this a lot of this <laughs> yin and yang, but positive and negative, right? It, it sort of balances out to be a a good team, an above average team, but not a great team. Yeah. I think that's well put. And the other thing, too, is, you know, this is the time where, for example, Frankie Jong is trying to learn from the veterans of what is expected at FC Barcelona. And he's seen how this is being done right now. This could lay the groundwork for really bad foundations going forward. And that's what really kind of worries me as well is just that, you know, we are trying to pick and choose the games that we get up for. And even when we do that, we can't even put a 90-minute performance together. And that's what's still troubling, especially in the Classico, right, Brian? We talked about if you can't get up for the Classico, how are you going to get up for any Champions League or any high-end teams? And this is what's really problematic. Again, like you said, we're above average. You know, we're going to beat a team here and there at home. But again, Brian, when we're away, it's a comp- – I mean – did they get enough sleep? Did they arrive on time? We don't. All these <laughs> things are factors now, which never were the issue. And so, again, anytime it's an away game, it's it's we're going to show up flat. I mean, that's that's the key. Yeah. When we did go ahead nine minutes later, so from minute fifty to minute sixty, that was a good ten minutes out of ninety. So there's that. Uh, but yeah, Suarez flicked it across the box for Vidal to head it in, and at that point, I was really nervous that that they were going to just take their foot off the gas entirely. And to be fair, they didn't. They they kept the pressure up. They kept trying. They kept looking to create chances. They did create some chances. They didn't score on them, but we went ahead. Yeah, again, my favorite player, right? So, again, this, yeah. is, this is part of the problem is that we need something. I don't know what it is. But the, the idea that Vidal just continues to get more minutes and I, for exact, you know, this is one of the reasons that we are so upset about the Elenia transfer is like, I would rather see Elenia getting these minutes. Vidal is nice. He's a nice player, but he's not the future of Barcelona. Right. And right. to me, that's really important. Vidal continues to be the favorite sub of, of Valverde and Vidal continues to score. And I just can't get over this because you know, I don't, he's not a, a a pretty Barcelona player for me to watch. That's all it is, really. It's just a personal preference. He right. is on the team, and I just don't like that we have to depend on him so much 
to change a game. I mean, if I yeah. would have told you this two years ago, you would have told me I was crazy. And yeah. now it's, it's, you know, it's like the sun rising. Vidal coming in the second half to try to change the game. You know, he's our sixth man, essentially. Yeah. And, you know, you were, you mentioned how De Jong is new to the team and he's looking to the veterans to sort of get the culture. And I can tell that he's starting to get a little frustrated, or at least he certainly got frustrated in this game. He committed two fouls. The first one, okay, he got a yellow. Fine, those things happen. But then he essentially committed the same foul again in the 75th minute. He got a second yellow, so he got sent off, and now he's also going to have to serve a suspension in the next match against Granada for accumulation. But so now we're down a man. They did hold on pretty well enough. Uh, Valverde put Semedo in for Griezmann, but playing down a man finally caught up with them. And then in the 88th minute, Espanyol equalized with that goal from Wu Lei. He just got in behind Long Lei and got off a clean shot to beat Neto. Again, let's let's dissect first of all this substitution of Semedo for Griezmann. Why? 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 <laughs> I mean, we're down a man, Brian. We need speed and pressure. We're taking the only forward that's doing that. Again, right. why? I mean, my obviously I would have taken Suarez out right away because at least Griezmann is going to give you that tenacity that you that you feel that you're not down a man, right? That's the idea. So for me, that's the first thing. The second thing is use the third sub. Like, again, we need fresh legs, bring in Fati or someone to relieve some pressure. Again, Valverde doesn't do this. Again, Brian. And we were winning at the time. We yeah, were up a goal. That's the thing. We were winning too. And that's, you know, when you are down a man, you have to use the sub so that you get some freshness because it's exhausting playing a man down, even though you have possession. Now, the other thing with the Frankie Dijon thing, these were just two really bad tackles. And the first one, just run with him. I tell you this, Brian, all the time. Even yep. though that I know you were probably noticing too. I was like, just run with him. Just careen him to the left. Like you don't – in that situation, it wasn't a dangerous situation. The second one was more dangerous because it was a little bit closer to the goal and I understand that foul. But yeah. in the first one, if you just run with him, he's almost going to lose the ball or pass it. There was not that immediate danger. It was a counter. But you just had to run with it. Again, that just means Vidal's going to start the next game. <laughs> right, right. And just that's something like that. If, you know, you see that coming from De Jong, and that just makes me think. You know, this is a young, very talented, savvy player with a good mind for the game. And if he's doing that, that first yellow card, especially mm -hmm. right, that first tackle, it just seems to me like he's feeling desperate. He's feeling unsupported. He's, you know, he's not feeling secure out there. Because that's not really his game. Mm -hmm. He's not. You don't put De Jong on so that you can have uh, an enforcer who's going to take yellow cards. That's a good point. I mean, if you look at that first one, you know, where's Busquets? Yeah. I mean, that's the, that goes back to combining with small spaces and having the know-how and the understanding of where your player and your teammate is going to be. Again, De Jong and Busquets. This is their first season playing together, and you can still see that they're still trying to figure out the spacing and where one is going to be. But in that play, you know, if Busquets was a little bit tighter, then all of a sudden Dijon doesn't have to foul in that because he has the pressure. But Busquets is back off enough that there's a huge gap that Dijon thinks this counter is going to go and become a dangerous play. Again, my biggest thing is I always tell you, Brian, 50% of these plays, you know, for yellow cards, you just have to run with the player. And the player is not going to win the ball all the time. I mean, it's really difficult uh, on these 1v1 possessions you know, going forward in the Granada match, I mean, we're going to see, you know, Busquets, Vidal, and Rakitic most likely. Rakitic. Yeah, my yeah. gosh. 
<laughs> yeah, because again, with Alenia gone, Arthur injured, De Jong suspended. Yeah, that's all we're left with. Yeah. And there is the chance for uh, Sergio Roberto to play in the midfield uh, with Semedo or Wage at right back, assuming that uh, some other club doesn't come along and snap up Wage. <laughs> true, true. I mean, this is the, again, this is always what we're thinking about about our coach and the management of the team is that you always have to be thinking forward, three games ahead possibilities of cards and this type of thing and again just also with the board letting Alenia go you're telling me that Alenia playing in Granada would have been a great fit you know a great place for him to play with basically no pressure against this team and then if he has struggles then you bring in Vidal but again I does this midfield of Rakitic Vidal and Busquets excite you it doesn't excite me and plus we're going to be so slow and again we saw how Granada was this year they gave us problems man but again with all of the you know the injuries with Alenia being gone uh, with the suspension there is that does open up the possibility of Ricky Puj maybe or someone else but I think Ricky Puj would be the the first call to come up from Barca B to at least sit on the bench and have something to offer the midfield should the need arise. I mean, that would be a dream scenario to see Puji, you know? <laughs> I would yeah. love to see that. We need some sort of spark, you know? And I know Fati was the spark, but he's not getting enough playing time. We, You know, it would have really been cool to see Fati get more playing time because I think that would have... Just his enthusiasm, his, you know, his youthfulness would have helped permeate through the team because, you know, sometimes, you know, it's, it's almost when Messi first came to the team as well. You know, everyone loved him, you know, Ronaldinho, Deco, all these players. And they were playing for him because they wanted to see him play and the magic that he can bring. And I think, you know, obviously Messi, you know, we can't argue what he's doing, but we just need some sort of, injection of something we need a phenomenon you know we need a almost like a jeremy lynn phenomenon like what happened with the knicks we just we need something to excite this team and there's nothing going on i mean all the players have their personal things going on and it just seems now it's just business and they really don't have the the passion as they once did because they have won so much and i really hope that ricky Puj gets more playing time this this the second half of the season because I think for me, that is the one thing that would really excite me about this season because I'm really getting bored with the style of play so far. Again, what are our prospects for La Liga, for Copa del Rey, for champions? I mean, it's a 50-50 shot and it just depends if we start away or not is really going to tell our fortunes. Thanks to Max Bluer this week. Barca Talk is a production of Sounded Media, written by Gabriel Quiroga and Brian Henderson, produced by Brian Henderson, social media and promotion by Two Point Go. Until next time, Visca Barca. Sports Social Podcast Network.